Hello, Rachel. Hi, Ryan. How you doing? I'm doing pretty chill, actually. I'm feeling very uh, relaxed, feeling loose. I'm feeling... Uh, that's how I'm going. You're giving me a concerned look, but I'm giving you an actual answer of how I'm feeling. And you're giving me this quizzical look like, where's this bit gonna go? And guess what, Rachel? The bit is, there is no bit. I'm just feeling pretty chill. Chill AF, as the kids say these days. But how about yourself? Uh, 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 what am I meant to do with that, Ryan? Answer. <laughs> Jeez, Rachel, you're the teacher here. You know how the protocol goes. Question gets an answer, not a question. Gee what do you mean? whiz, exactly. There you go. Mine was more of a statement, and then you replied with a question. So, you know, that doesn't work as well. If I said to you, you know what I mean, right, Rachel? Correct? Yes, you get it. And then you'll be, what do you mean? But that's okay. We're here to give the yum yum, Rachel. Could you uh, tell us all about uh, Yum Yum Five? Our show, what we do here, and the uh, the why the yum yum exists. All of the good stuff. Well, I successfully avoided your questions. I gave myself. We'll never get to know how she feels. We'll never know. <laughs> no Women, worries. am I right? Can never figure it out, guys. Huh? Get fucked. Ah. <laughs> uh, you named our podcast after we? the... No. No. The we... listeners know it was you. The Yumlings know it was a joint effort. Like, you, 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 you told me and made me accept it. That's not really a joint effort. Anyway, it refers to a specific moment in Star Trek Discovery... Where when propositioned with murder, mm -hmm. a bridge officer flicked her back, licked her lips, and said, yum, yum, and Ryan finds it very sexy. Isn't it? No, no, no. I don't find it sexy. I I find it that they they portray it as it's this funny, sexy thing. Isn't that what it's supposed to be? Because she licks her lips and breathily says... Yum yum, which sounds like a weirdly... Here's how seductive it sounds. When I tell my sister about the yum yum moment and that my podcast is called Yum Yum, my sister replies with, I don't want to hear my little brother say the words yum yum because it's weirdly sexual. Yes, it is. But I just wanted to point out that you find it sexy as well I as find it being it sexual. I find it confusing. Yeah. I mean, does it turn me on? Of course it does. As it does you. As it does everyone. Yeah, we when go. We, as we it get does. the tree. But but it turns everyone you on. You are just projecting on me. It's like saying that don't water is it. wet, Rachel. Of course I find water wet. I as do you. I don't, I don't find it. Oh, you don't find water wet? Okay, we'll find out what Rachel does find wet. So uh, we are here to talk about Babylon 5. <laughs> So dirty, so fast. I feel like that's you projecting there. I didn't oh, say anything. You did. You were in the third. I'm just being chill AF. <laughs> oh, you're like you're just really annoyed that I refuse to talk about how wet I was. You're the one who's bringing it up. You're the no. one. Who <laughs> 
no, 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 no. Did, did anyone no, no, hear me no, no, say no. that? Did anyone no. hear me say that? Rachel said it. I didn't say nothing. All I'm trying to, I was just trying to say that we're talking about Babylon 5 from a spoiler perspective, meaning if people have not seen the series before, you should watch it. But you're the one who wants to br- no, brag. No, 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 no. Uh, this week we're uh, talking about Hunter Prey. Episode lucky number 13 13. of season two of Babylon 5. Somewhere in the station's five mile expanse. This is from the DVD description. Fugitive Dr. Tony Steepman hides. Earth Alliance orders are clear. Shoot to kill. But Sheridan suspects. The runaway might be innocent of the charges against him. I'll come out with it. I think this is one of the most boring episodes of Babylon 5. Uh, that's my history with but it. But it's all A-plot, uh, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You like all A-plot yeah. stories, don't you? <laughs> you? You're getting what you asked for. Survivors was all A-plot, too. <laughs> Doesn't mean I like that one, does it? No. But, no, in all seriousness, I've watched this one, of course. I watch every episode when I do a rewatch. I never skip any because I'm not a pussy. And uh, I... Because it would be wrong if you were a pussy. Yes, it would be because... I'm hard Cause, cause and you're wet. A, having a- so. <laughs> I, I don't know if this will get to you, Mary, but I'm tired. But now, in all seriousness, uh, to take the funny away, because I do not find this episode to be all that enjoyable. I've never found it to be particularly thrilling, I've come to realize that perhaps the man-on-the-run format in science fiction isn't for me. I'm not objecting to it. I like it in thrillers and in movies. I like The Fugitive. I like these I was about things. to ask, but you like The Fugitive. Yeah, it's got Jakar in it. He's the one I'm in. And perhaps it's a sci-fi genre thing in which I don't care for it over there because I'm trying to recollect a man on the run episode in one of my science fiction shows that I like. I'm really struggling off the top of my head. Now, now I haven't given it a proper sit down and think and gone through everything and going, oh, of course, there's that one episode of Deep Space Nine or, or Enterprise or something, but I'm really struggling. And the point being is Hunter Prey is just not an episode for me. I find it tedious. I find it dull. It is not as if this episode does anything specifically glaring or wrong like Survivors. This has... A good production. The acting all around is fairly decent. It has nice, cute little moments. It has Zach Allen. I mean, that's a winner, winner, chicken dinner. But it just does not leave any impression on me at all, other than, oh, that's the episode where we see Kosh's ship. And that's about it. That's a long lasting impression. It leaves upon me. Yes, I know it reveals important information about the president, but it's not as if we, the audience, didn't already gather that at this point. It's just now our characters have a concrete proof of that, but but not enough proof to go public with. Yes. So it doesn't even feel as important because nothing's going to change immediately because of this episode. Exactly right. What about you? What's been 
your uh, dynamic with Hunter Prey. Uh, this is an episode where I go, oh, yeah, that's a bit shit. <laughs> like, it's there. And it's like, oh, yeah, but it is a bit shit. Like, it's very, it's serviceable, workmanlike. Like, nothing is glaringly awful about this episode. It's just fine. Uh, I will point out one glaringly awful thing. Garibaldi, where's where's the uh, detective hat? I think I said it in Survivors, and I'll say it again if I didn't. Anytime you wax on that hat or a hat, you're going to be in for a rough time. Yeah. I get it. You want your sci-fi noir? But I just don't think Babylon 5 is the place to do your sci-fi detective noir show. And this episode kind of proves it to me, because we'll get into Garibaldi. But as you're saying, this... Doesn't like you'll you'll like me that this is it's not it's a kind of shitty episode, it, 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 but it's not shitty in the way that we've had in this season or in the previous one or in the future. Would you agree to that? This yeah. isn't a. It's a mediocre episode, not a bad episode. Yeah, and it's an important distinction. It is. It is an important distinction. So. Uh, there is mainly just the one plot, and it comes at it from a few different angles. We have the uh, doctor who is, uh, what's his name, Everett Jacobs, who is the doctor for the president, uh, the former and the current one. He is on the run because he has classified information, his medical records proving that the current President Clark faked his illness, and that means that he on purposely planned to get off the ship so that he didn't die. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, and that means that he's involved in some way, shape, or form he's with part the assassination. Of the conspiracy. Which we've already gathered from yes, we, context yeah. clues and yeah. subtlety. Uh, but you know, now they got proof. Now we can. Nothing happens without proof in this episode. Mm. He gives it to a lady, a sexy lady. Might I add? I, a very I, short, sexy lady who's I, in a long-time relationship with her. actor Jimmy mm. Smith. I just found her annoying. You found her annoying? Yeah. You found her annoying? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's get into that. So we were watching the episode and we were kind of noting down between each other when just having little jabs at the episode because we weren't enjoying it about mm-hmm. certain performances, certain actors. And I think we had a bit of a butting of heads when it comes to this character. So do you want to lead us in on this side of the plot and which character we're talking about here? Uh, so Sheridan sees a red bit of ribbon. Good eye, by the way. He's a really good eye to have mm-hmm. seen that right mm-hmm. up there in the corner yep. on a piece of and fucking metal in any or, or any old corridor that they it's, walk it's on. It's a very secret, secret clue that, you know, anybody. Anybody could have missed. Or could like, have missed, yeah. But that, I like that about it as well, is that Sheridan easily could have missed it. Mm. And nobody who isn't aware of the code, whatever the code is, would just think nothing of it. But he noticed. Like it's just, it's able to be a clear signal and blend in. Yeah. Um, 
which is part of Sheridan's law, is mm-hmm. you got to have a clear signal and it blends in. Now, he didn't say that in this episode, but I felt Sheridan's law. <laughs> yes. Uh, so then he goes off and meets up with Lady, who has been sent by the general. General Haig. Yes. Who we, uh, you know. We know. We've seen and we've met in person. No. So she's just like, you got to do this. And he's just like, I got to do what? Okay, yeah, what is her function? You want me to do what? Actually, could you actually tell me what is her function in the story? Uh, Other than to tell him that he needs to do the things which we already gathered. Yep. Uh, It's just that it's not Babylon 5 on their own. Like it's Mm -hmm. um, linking back to... To what Haig said when he visited Babylon 5. Oh, oh, I got it. But does she do anything? No. Oh, she just stands there? Yeah. And takes up time? Yes. And she just... Oh, no, no. She does give you exposition to explain why the Doctor's on Babylon 5 and not elsewhere. It is one of those classic examples of the script having to justify why the the plot is happening currently. Do you... He got jumpy and he went uh, elsewhere. Yeah. That's, that's the a dude from... Um, the dude. The, the Big the, Lebowski. The, the... <laughs> Himself. The dude. No, no, Ryan. The doctor, the... Jacob Everett, no. sort of. Everett Jacob, sorry? No. Uh, the dude who's searching. Oh, Cranston. For... Yeah, Cranston. Easily could have gotten that information. He could have just just like, dispensed that too. Yeah, yeah like it, it easily could have been from him. Yeah, a hundred percent. So of like uh, he was on his way to Io, but we caught up with him. So and he split. He jumped. Like, because they know that he got on a transport that left for Babylon Five. Yeah. So it's like. A very tiny piece of information that they didn't already have of, like, why he jumped, right? And then the other thing of, like, the secret resistance Mm -hmm. was involved. Like, that's the only, like, two things that he's missing Yeah, and that she gives us. And it feels fucking useless to make a whole character for that. Yeah, there's several characters here that I would argue could be removed or condensed down into one thing. Mm -hmm. So with her, some of the information she provides could have been given by Cranston, and Mm -hmm. he could have given it in confidence to Sheridan because he thinks Sheridan is a good man who's on his side, and then he's being duped because Sheridan Mm -hmm. is, in fact, not on his side. That would have been playing into the cat and mouse game even further, right? Mm -hmm. But no... She's here, and you did not like her acting. No. What was the problem? It just... I didn't like it, the vibe of it. Mm. Like, the sense of arrogance that (laughs) she seemed to have of, like, I am here to give you orders and sort of felt like a weird power trip. And it's just like, we have no idea who this woman is. So I was just like, I don't like your character and I don't like the flair that you are giving to this character because it just felt like there's not 
anything on the page and the actor's like, I'm going to bring it. Yeah, I did not have as much of an issue with her because I felt as if her performance was in line with the uh, one half of the story in this particular episode. So to me, Mm. she gave a very film noir type of performance. This was obviously exacerbated by the environment she was in, in which she was in the underground uh, very smoky, foggy type of um, pedestal. Yeah. yeah, and she's and she's having those conversations in which she's got her back slightly turned to Sheridan, and he's looking and very framed in mm-hmm. that old school noir way in which she's the uh, tough lady who's also a bit of a cipher, and we can't tell where her intentions lie. We but like also noir, we but don't, it doesn't. We don't. I don't. We don't like. Babylon 5. Because Babylon 5, when it does noir, it goes a little bit over the line of being too stylized. Mm. In a show that is pretty ground. Yeah, that's in, what a, in a way that feels really odd for the show. It's like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, noir can be camp, but it's just like noir plus sci fi plus camp. That could work. That feels messy in well, the way that they do it. It can work, but it not can, in this universe. No, it never f- sits right for us. Yeah, it doesn't sit right for, for, for myself. And so her performance didn't bug me because it was in line with the episode itself. But in the grander context of the series, it does stand out to me, not as uh, overtly as other performances, but... It does stand out as hmm. she's giving a performance from a different type of show. Yes. And I also have a problem with this character because this introduces her with this air of, oh, she'll come back. And she never comes back. <laughs> this feels like this is a character that's going to be pivotal to the storyline that they will go down. And she and General Haig never come back so on a, re- on, a re- on a rewatch value there's almost this spotlight mm-hmm. shine upon shone upon her that doesn't feel uh, it, mm-hmm. i mean it doesn't exist yeah like it's like there's an importance here and i don't know how that is being displayed because you and i both feel this mm-hmm. there's this importance put here to her character her performance and what she's doing but since she's only in this episode, you look at it through a microscope and you ask the question, which I already asked, what's she doing? Yep. What's her function here? Because it's not as if she's pretending. It, you know what would be a great reveal? Cranston comes on. Mm-hmm. Hello, I'm I'm middle, I, I'm I'm bureaucrat bastard, man. Ha ha ha. And this is my uh, right hand woman. And it's her. That would have been yes. a great something, twist. Something, something, something. And she could be undermining Cranston whilst also undermining Sheridan at the same time mm-hmm. to appease Cranston. That would have been something to yeah, make her feel as if she belonged aged. within the plot. Instead of what I think my core problem with the episode is, it is an episode in which plots just exist next to each other, not woven together as mm-hmm. neatly as we've been experiencing. And plots are happening because they need to happen. Like the Kosh stuff, you could argue, is the B-plot. Mm. Is is Kosh wanting to engage with Sharon and Sheridan wanting to engage with Kosh. Mm. And it does tie in mm-hmm. to the episode with the ship and all of that, as does her stuff with, with the Cranston stuff. And it all does... Technically tie-in, but it it comes across like season one, in which 
They do, but there's this separation between mm. them. Again, with her, it comes down to. Is she really servicing the story? Is she really offering that much that other characters couldn't already be doing? Until next time, Captain. There's always a next time, isn't there? You better pray it stays that way, Captain. Because as long as there is a next time, at least there's a chance we'll win. There's the uh, the merchant guy who who refuses to give uh, the doctor the identity card. Mm-hmm. And uh, because he wants it too much, and then there's the head thug gangster guy played by uh, uh, Richard Mole himself, mm-hmm. and I kind of look at that and go, can't they just be the same guy? Can't they just be the one shitty criminal guy <laughs> that he runs into and he shouldn't mm-hmm. have run into him? Because fair, fair. I'm looking at this it's episode like, because it's one. Ooh. of the s- if it was just like, okay, okay, you want it, and then like taking him to that back room and then mm-hmm. knocking him out and being like, you wanted it too bad. Exactly. You're more valuable to me mm-hmm. than uh, what I would get paid for this identity card. It would make it come across as more natural, again, uh, quicker paced, because this one's a slower paced episode for myself, and... Uh, less corny in a way because I find it extremely corny in lots of TV shows when uh, that type of interaction happens and then it, like, uh, with, with the merchant and, and the doctor and then around the corner a creepy-looking guy turns to mm-hmm. the camera and gives a smirk like, I'm going to be in the story now too. Yeah. <laughs> it's always cheesy to me. Mm-hmm. It's very corny. It's something that I do not miss from television. It has faded over time a bit more so. And Richard Mole's a great actor. I think he's very fun. I think he's very over the top here. And giving him more screen time and giving him that role to be the uh, sleazy merchant guy that maybe Garibaldi already knows or not, I I would have delighted in that in itself. But again... Should have been Necro. And I get distracted because the merchant guy has appeared in Babylon 5. Yeah. Yeah, he has. Do you remember who he was? No. He was the guy who gave Londo the eye in Signs and Portents. <gasps> He's not the same character, but it is very distracting that he's playing two weird, mm. criminal, sleazy Earth guys. Stick some alien makeup on his face to at least distinguish him. He's wearing almost the same outfit. He's basically serving a similar function where he is this criminal man who's got an object that's important to the plot. Mm-hmm. I've always found that supremely distracting when I watch this episode. Mm-hmm. But uh, I only liked him enough to have him back. Evidently, evidently, that side of the story is uh, Franklin and Garibaldi have taken it upon themselves to look for the doctor, and and, and Franklin gets a rewind. Yes. Okay. That's me rewinding. Okay. So we get set up that, like, the search is going ahead. They Mm -hmm. almost get Jacobs. Um,. Sheridan's been provided with this information and meets up with Ivanova and Garibaldi so that they're all on the same page. Yes. Then Garibaldi calls Franklin Mm -hmm. to say happy birthday when it's not his birthday. Mm -hmm. And I love this little touch because it's so fucking 
Garibaldi. Mm-hmm. He's put in like one frame mm-hmm. of speech bubbles of like, come to my quarters as soon as you can. Wear like, something ASAP. casual. Wear something casual. And I love it because at first thought, I was just like... It's like a Looney Tunes with little speech bubbles. No, that is also great. That is also, that's not what I thought about. What I thought about, I was like, well, like he's hiding this thing. Uh, but like if anybody's looking through these logs, like obviously it's being stored somewhere. On the computer. On the computer somewhere because it's being able to be replayed. Um, so I'm like, what's the point of doing that? If, like, you kind of reveal what you're doing. Yeah. And then I was just like, oh, no. Garibaldi would totally play that off as, like, oh, no, we're fucking. <laughs> I like Garibaldi and Franklin teaming together. Yeah. They're a fun duo. Like, they, they're they're chalk finding and cheese. how Franklin fits in because... He would know this Doctor Man because yeah. he's the Doctor character yes. and every Doctor knows each it's other. very convenient. <laughs> so just like, oh, yeah. He's he known- was my professor at Harvard. Has he known every Doctor character that's been in the show thus far? He knew the previous so. chief medical officer on Babylon 5. He knew oh, the archaeologist oh, oh. guy. Yes, but he didn't Oh, he didn't know, know June Lockhart. Mm-hmm. Well, you... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we found it! Put me over your lap, JMS, and spank me till I'm red because you caught me out there. Oh, boy. I can't believe I question the word of JMS with continuity here. Franklin doesn't know every doctor. What a fucking fool I am. He, knows, he doesn't know June Lockhart. He knows every prestigious doctor. He, knows every, he knows every male doctor that's oh! come on board. Yeah, I said it. Damn! I said it. I'm brave. And guess what? He even knows a male alien doctor. We'll get to that plague episode one day. But yeah, it's all adding up. I guess I guess Franklin is a real part of the boys club. Well, maybe now you'll admit that you were wrong about Jacobs. I didn't say I believe him. Yeah, but you didn't say you believe me either. I don't believe anybody. What a wonderful world you live in. It's always very difficult when dis- when discussing an episode that you find boring because you have to break down why it's boring for an individual. And, and try what- and make it not boring to listen to. Well, no, 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 I guess that's a point. But no, I find it very, very hard and difficult to actually break down what a script or a piece of direction has done to fail to engage me in a, in a way that's not obvious. Like TKO, it's obvious why that fails. Yes. An episode like this, why this fails is less obvious, Mm-mm. but you feel it when mm-hmm. you watch it. I sit here going, uh, but I do. Like my reaction is, uh, and I want to break down okay. why this side with question. Garibaldi and Franklin is lackluster to me, even though I find the characters and the actors to have good chemistry with one another. It doesn't really amount to much. There's no scenes I remember remember from them too. There's no real lines yes. of dialogue or wisdom or 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 uh, a juxtaposition between the two men. It is what you brought up a moment ago, which was the uh, the speech bubble thing. That's 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 the big thing I kind of get out of it. Yep. So my question is: Do you find this episode more dull 
each time you watch it. No, it's the same. It's the same. It's the same every single time I've watched it. It it is because I get more annoyed each rewatch, but then I forget about it, and then I watch it again, and I'm like, oh fuck this! Mm-hmm. This goes nowhere. Well, and it's just like there's just these tiny little slivers of things, yeah, that are in this episode that you're like, well. I suppose that does matter. That does come back. Like there's so like so many tiny moments that are spread the kosh, throughout. The kosh stuff. Like the kosh stuff like comes in, but like you could reshuffle like Yeah, yeah, you could put in another you episode. You could reshuffle like three moments and this episode would be completely vacuous. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, what a waste. Yeah, this is a like, definite. We have to get to twenty-two episodes this season, but we're like going to still push stretch it a bit more, stretch it a bit more. I'm going to ask you this: a little, a couple episodes back, we mm. talked about an episode called "All Alone in the Night," also yes. written by JMS, mm-hmm. in which you stated that it was an episode that felt like it had to be sci-fi, so we put a sci-fi thing in there but it didn't really serve as a story. This one doesn't have that. You could argue Kosh, but really, other than aesthetics and, and jargon, mm-hmm. there's no real sci-fi gimmick to this one. This is a corporate procedural. Yeah. That's what the, this is. The chip. Yeah. So The chip is the small sci-fi thing and, like, the fact that they're the on data space crystal. station. And, and, mm. Yeah, but it's just like, well, make that a, a USB. Mm-hmm. It's a MacGuffin. It's, it's a briefcase. It's it, it's the briefcase from from Pulp Fiction. It doesn't matter. It's a thing that's desired and wanted. But what do you think now that you have got an episode in which JMS really took his hands off the wheel and said, "I'm not going to really <laughs> transplant a big sci-fi thing mm. onto what is a generic script." Yep. How do you feel now? I I still just don't like it. I think why I do not dislike this one upon the rewatch more every time is because I remember its counterpart, Survivors. Mm. Yes. Survivors is a great counterpart to this in terms of how we've improved. This isn't great. It's serviceable, but but Survivors to me had the worst direction, worst Mm. production, Mm. worst acting, worst line, all that stuff. This one doesn't. It is all... There, it is reaching the min- bare minimum. It is serviceable. It is okay. All the actors are doing a good job. Mm-mm. There's no cringeworthy lines of dialogue. There's no awkward action. It is perfectly fine if I was watching a boilerplate cop procedural mm-hmm. show. Once you remove the limited sci-fi aesthetics from this, that's what you've got. Mm-hmm. And I do have to commend that there isn't this forced sci-fi thing on here yes. like there was in the uh, Sheridan plot in All Alone in the Night. Mm-hmm. But uh, you're not really replacing it yeah. with much else. No. It is, we have to get the doctor and then he's going to give us the information we all already know. They all already know this. We already know this. And again, on a rewatch factor, 
This isn't the smoking gun that brings no. down the clock regime. It is just a little thing. And you could argue, well, it's all the little things that stuck them in the big mm-hmm. things. <sighs> and that's what they're trying to tell you in the episode. But it just... It doesn't make it, this more enjoyable to watch. Here is a, a, a proposed metaphor. It feels like this episode feels like a suck it up and eat your vegetables. Every cop knows you got to keep your strength up on a steakhouse, so I strongly suggest you eat something. Now you're a doctor; you should know better. Cranston is the lead antagonistic foe here. He is the. Uh, person that is hunting down the doctor mm-hmm. what did you think of uh him he's nothing he's flat like cardboard mm-hmm. like he's just like there's nothing to his character to find interesting he's not even like he doesn't even feel like he's competent enough to be a threat. Like, we don't see him do anything particularly effective other than, like, yes, I will explain the idea of this chip and these scanners. It's like, that has nothing to do with his skill. He has this technology. And it's just like, well, yeah, like... You're putting all of these hurdles up, and Cranston's one of them, but they're so low, and we know that our characters are so capable, so much more capable than the antagonists that they're facing. Yeah. Uh, it's just like, it just feels so cheap when Garibaldi is stabbed for stakes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I almost forgot about that. Yeah. 100%. You're correct there. <laughs> Cranston, describe his personality. He doesn't have one. Is Ryan. he is he good or bad? He as a person, I wouldn't I wouldn't judge him either way because, like, he well I would say bad because he's part of the like wing of the government or whatever that Clark has full control. He's a, he's a representative of the crop system. Over. But like not only is he just a representative of that system, because like all of our cast technically is, right? Yeah. Um human. But yeah, yeah he's a he's a part of the corrupt system. It's the the the, the, the rotten core. Okay. Because this is under Clark's direct control. But he's just doing his job. We don't know if he knows about any of the other fucking shit that's actually going on. Okay, would you describe him as uh, competent or skilled? Competent? Because it's just like, he, if if they weren't working against him, Mm-hmm. His plan would have succeeded. He was very methodical with the help of Garibaldi's well trained security team. They would have succeeded. In a relatively short period of time, they would have disrupted everything, but they would have been successful. Yeah. I would describe him as generic. 
he is the function and nothing else. There's two roads you could go down with this character to make him interesting to watch and for somebody you want to see be overcome. Because that's the thing too. I Mm. never once felt as if he was a genuine threat for the crew at any point. He did not offer anything. So there's two ways you could go here. You -hmm. could go with the, uh, uh, the... Ron Canada from last season, who played the Captain Pierce, mm-hmm. who wanted to go down to Epsilon 3. Yes. And he had stakes in the game. He was a part of the system. He was ordered to do what he wanted to do the job, but he had a point of view to offer. He was antagonistic, he was a blowhard, but he was also reasonable at points. And you could also have... Layered. Yeah, and on, in that camp, in that option, the first one, you also have uh, Ari Benzane, who is an obvious prick, but he is using the letter of the law to defeat the spirit of the law. He's an absolute asshole, but he's methodical, and he's a is someone to overcome. You yes. want to see him get punched in the face. You want to see him be defeated by his own petard. Then the second option you could go with is the naive, clueless option in which this person is a part of the corrupt system, but they don't know it. They think that they are genuinely part of the good. So I'm thinking of uh, Mr. Lance at the very end of the season, the guy who wants to sign mm. the Non-Aggression Act, with, uh, but he's antagonistic. He's, 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 but he's somebody you want to see overcome because you, we know he's wrong. But he doesn't know he's wrong. And or uh, in the start of season three, Mr. Ndawi, the guy who is going around asking everyone what they think of the shadow ships, mm. in which he comes across as a guy that doesn't know he's in a, uh, a bad guy system. He's genuinely asking questions and he's kind of a naive, dumb guy, but he is someone that you have to worry mm. about because he's interrogating things that the characters don't want interrogated. Mm-hmm. That's what you need. You need one of those two options here. This guy is he is the he is the device. He is hello, I'm JMS sitting down writing the script and here's my plot. Oh, we've got to have some antagonist. Uh uh Cranston. And uh he's an antagonist because he wants to find the doctor. Uh, anything else? Oh, cast an actor, of course. Okay, but we're done with that. We're moving on to the next thing. Okay, what's the next thing on the production meeting agenda? It's unfortunate because he's a a great actor, this guy. He's also, uh, we'll get to an actor spotlight, but he was also in Bill and Ted. He was the teacher. Mm. And he's in a numerous amount of things. And I've, I've enjoyed him, but here he is just, he's probably the most forgettable. Uh, villain or antagonist we've, we've yeah, had. Yeah, d- definitely down the bottom of that list. Maybe you didn't hear me. That's an ambassadorial vessel. He won't know. I want it stand. Now that should not be a problem for you, Captain, if there's nothing to hide. We should talk about downtown. It's <laughs> probably one of the funniest and smartest <sighs> moments that Sheridan has in the whole episode. Because so fucking dumb. But it's At the played same so. Time. But 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 Bruce and the character of Sheridan yeah. played off so well mm. that you, the audience, are kind of tangled up in it. But you also know Wait, that what? there's an element of bullshit there. Mm-hmm. It's a great double. Uh, like it's a great balancing and act there. Avonova <laughs> is key to tipping it. So Sheridan is desperate, desperate to try and get 
some extra time for Garibaldi and Franklin who are investigating down below. So he is like, oh, fuck, they're about to figure this out. They're about to figure this out. What the fuck are we going to do? And then he just tries this. Like, to I read it as he doesn't even know if it's going to work. No. <laughs> but it's like, he doesn't like the odds, but he's going to play the hand anyway. So, Cranston, I almost forgot his name again. Yeah. Cranston is just like, he he must be in down below. The doctor must be in down below. We've searched all of these other sectors. It has to be down there somewhere. Then Sheridan goes, oh, next time you'll say that he's in downtown. Not down below. What's downtown? Like, I haven't heard about that. What? I've been informed about downtown. I haven't seen on any of your maps downtown. And Sheridan says that it's basically a closed off area between two bulkheads. Yeah, and it's it's, it's this nightmare. You know, they'll have to blast mm-hmm. through all of these things, and there's they're near the uh, recycling of the they're near the poo basically, and it's going to be absolutely horrid, and it's going to be a waste of time. And he but can it'll buy Garibaldi, Garibaldi a couple of hours, and it was a nice moment if they're lucky. See, see, I have no basis for this, mm. but. This comes across because this scene is so well written and crystalline mm-hmm. in its delivery that I have the sensation when I watch it that this is a scene that JMS had in his head mm-hmm. and the episode spawned from there. Yeah, has the feeling of being the duck's eye. Yeah, as David Lynch would say. Yes, it's the duck's eye. Hole in the donut. It's a hole in the donut. Uh, yeah, I... Cranston just he just leaves. Bye bye. We'll never think of him again. And they get the doctor and they get the information and they hire the doctor inside of Kosha's ship because they set it up at the beginning. They've set yes. it up throughout. I and like- Kosha's ship is just a live thing okay. that cocoons him and they put him to sleep uh, and sings him a little song. That's memorable uh, because it's yes. weird. Yes. The other thing that I want to say that I find like so cool and so weird. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we find out for sure that the Volans use organic technology. Their ship is a living thing, and we later learn how deep the connection is between a Volan and their ship. And we know that it's going to be set up as organic tech because. Franklin's former teacher got referenced in this episode, which was the same episode that brought up the idea of Mm -hmm. organic technology being a thing in this universe. So, So, JMS is really threading the needle here. Laid out there. But I love that it's like I see Kosh's ship as kind of like his loyal dog. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like, it, it's his pet and his friend, but they're, like, not on equal 
levels of sentience, right? Oh, of course not, no. But I love that essentially his pet can temporarily tattoo its skin. Oh, yeah. Because, like, it writes a little message on the side of itself. Of course. Gosh, like a hi, buddy. I don't know what it actually says. It says hi, BB. Hi, BB. It actually says in the in the trivia what it says. Yeah. I think it's the name of one of the graphic, like the, the yeah special effects people, or whatever. Just just a fun piece of business there. Yeah, for it's you. just like we we get the um. He's sending a message and communicating with Kosh. Would this be as interesting at all? If it wasn't Kosh, because what I want to get into is the Kosh side of the story has no real plot. No. But it's fascinating because Kosh is an enigma Mm. by design. And that's what they're talking about is the fact that he's an enigma. So so even them having him be in an episode, let alone having him be in a plot in which the characters are sick of him being an enigma. Yeah. Gets you to sit at the front of your seat on the edge of it, leaning forward, because will they finally crack this egg open? They keep ah! on telling me how long it's been and they still don't know anything. And he asks the question, what do you want? And we know that's a big question in the show. And Kosh gets all angry by it. Oh, Don't we're build- you ask me that. We're building up stuff. We're learning more about them and their, their organic technology. Mm-hmm. They're even more mysterious. We're getting a little bit more, a little bit more. And now it makes wants- you want more answers. And it's making it obvious that Sheridan and, and Kosh are going to have more have stories together. Relationship. Kosh is going to teach him how to fight legends, and you wonder what's that going to be like? What what's legends are they going to fight? Is he going to teach him how to fight the shadows, obviously? And all of that's really great, mm-hmm. but it's only great if you've watched the, the show. show. <laughs> because yes. in the context of this it's episode, like, well, fuck, what work here? it only matters because I am keen to know more about Kosh, which then brings me to my next question for you. On a rewatch value, what does this do for you? Because we know Kosh. Uh, it, it, it makes me sadder that Kosh dies. Really? Because yeah. his ship's alive and kills himself? Is that what you remember? Because that's what I think of when I think mm. of his ship. Uh, it does nothing no, for me. Like, it does, I, it does, I, it does I nothing for me on the rewatch that does. I think of how Kosh sacrifices himself for Sheridan. Yeah. And yeah. how, like. He knows that that's where it's going to lead, but he walks the path with Sheridan anyway. And I'm like, oh, I like Good Kosh. I guess. Like, uh, the more I get to know Good Kosh, the closer we are to Bad Kosh. I get none of that when I rewatch this episode, though. To me, it is... The it is I see the the show Bible and this is the part where it is now we must start this part of the story with Kosh, okay. rather than me getting emotionally involved with where it goes because this hmm. episode, even though Kosh is here and he says kooky mysterious lines, I'm not endeared to him here either. That will come later. I mean, I I I am endeared to him in a way because I love how fucking weird he is, hmm. obviously, but. All I'll say is next episode, that episode has a Kosh side to it that is far better. Far better. 
leaps and better. fucking bounds better. One moment of perfect beauty. I have nothing more to say on the episode itself. Uh, our cast give solid performances. They feel very much like their characters. We don't get any random weird lines where it's just like, really? You're making that character say that? Mm. Uh, the direction is serviceable. Um, and I'm ready for the spotlight. Well, I I want to pull you up here. What? I just realized you're going through our cast. It made mm. me go through the cast. And it made me realize that we didn't we didn't delve into a very important question that we always ask. Who would have said yum yum in this episode? You see, you, you, you pulled the car over to t- tell brag about how wet you are, and I kind of forgot to ask about that. And honestly, I have a I have a pick of who could have said yum yum, but I would also argue this episode's very yum yum less. Yes, it does not have a lot of YYE. I think um, the dude that Garibaldi shoots at, I think his name was Max. I said it more confidently earlier, I swear. Um, oh, you mean you mean Richard Mole? Yes. Uh-huh. Um, could have said yum yum. Yeah, he's he's my second. My actual first is the guy I tried to remove from the script, the merchant guy. <laughs> yeah. He just yeah. had that kind of line delivery with, oh, oh, you wanted too much. Yum, yum. I, I could have seen him saying yum, yum when counting his money and, yes. and wringing his hands and wearing Ferengi makeup. Credits. Yeah, yeah credits. Yes, yum, yum. I, I think him, but you want to get into it? The actor's spotlight. So, Rachel, this is the part of the show in which we discuss an actor or actress that appeared in the episode. Mm-hmm. We go over their performance, what they were in this episode, what we've seen them from before, and any other information about the person themselves. We are going to be discussing uh, Dr. Everett Jacobs himself, mm-hmm. that actor. He is we obviously are sticking with the tip of. Well, I would say that it's difficult. It's the actors that are mentioned in the DVD yeah, summary. There's like three or four in this episode we could have gone with because Richard yeah. Mole is somebody we could easily do a spotlight on. He's he's a legend. Absolutely. But uh, and, and Tony Steedman is the one that's referenced directly yeah. by JMS writing this DVD. I have no problem with his performance in this episode. Nope. He is perfectly serviceable. Yes. He is the nice old British man. Uh-huh. We take this for granted a lot, and sometimes it can be a hindrance in a story, but you see this guy here, and you automatically know that he's a good man just from the visuals of him. There's no moment when you're watching it do you question the validity of the character, because the actor himself looks like a nice person or that the character is a good man. That can be a a, a pro and a con sometimes. There are many times in which I watch a thing and I go, 
they're evil because they cast this actor. We talked about that with Star Trek Discovery with uh, Lorca, right? Where there's no reveal there because they cast Jason Isaacs. He always plays baddies and he looks like a villain and then he's a villain and it's not yeah. a surprise. This is the flip of that where they've got somebody who who, who looks like a nice person and they're playing a, a, a down and out person, somebody who's on the run, somebody who you want to see succeed and you want them to do well. I think that's very important to point out when it comes to casting is a lot of casting comes down to visuals as well. And he looks like a good person. And then, of course, he's British and he has a very nice, gentlemanly British accent, which then further endears you to this notion that he is a, an eloquent man, a distinguished man and a good man. Whether that is a, a good thing, like whether that is a something we should be praising in terms of, like, he's British, so we think he's nice. That's not always the case. We have many evil British people and even many evil British people in this show, but I just want to highlight that because he's not given anything as an actor here. He's not given anything, but he himself, his presence is delivering stuff that uh, the script isn't, if you catch my drift there. Yeah. He elevates it with a solid performance. Yeah, and just his being elevates it not we're not saying this is an elevation in which is oh this is a groundbreaking performance or anything but it is an elevation nonetheless uh anything else you want to comment about his performance or any moments in particular no i enjoyed it i think like that's a, a good thing to bring up like it's not only a quality performance it's one that i i, I enjoy watching him on screen i'm enjoy seeing him interact even though like you know he spends a lot of it just being like a sad tired old man or with a gag in his mouth yeah so i know him from a few things i've always known this actor when i've seen this episode i always see him and i he has a very distinct look about him he's He's bald up top, but he's got hair around the sides. Sometimes it's been long and things, and he has this big white moustache. He has this white hair. He has this English accent. And I, I always remember him from Scrooged. That's the thing I recollect him from, where he plays like the the the, the, the head, head waiter. waiter. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's the head waiter. I remember him from that because that's a movie I, I regularly watch at Christmas time, and that movie's filled with character actors. I mean, that movie has Bobcat Goldthwaite. I'm one. But of course, many people, such as yourself, would also know him from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, where he plays Socrates. He plays Socrates, who is one of the funnier uh, historical characters they get. It, to me, it's it's a real tie between him and Lincoln. They're both very fun. Of course, the winner's Napoleon in that, by the way. There's, there's no contest. The funniest is Napoleon. But those two are, are pretty good uh, because they get actors who you just imagine look like those guys. You're like, yeah, I believe that. And so mm-hmm. many people know from that. And I do admit it has been distracting when I watch this episode because there are two actors from that movie in this episode. And it, this episode's after that film. It's just very weird to me that there are two Bill and Ted actors in Hunter Prey. What are the odds? What are the odds? And they share no scenes together, so they can't even have the chance to recollect on the magical times, most likely, but who knows. Uh, Anything for you? Anything else? I have a few other things that I know him from, but what about you? Has he popped up in any episodes or movies that you're aware of? 
Uh, there were a few others. Um, one of them that I I picked up because I was like, oh, of course he was in this show. Mm-hmm. He was in an episode of The Golden Girls. Everybody was. Where he played an, a painter that was about to die and the girls needed a new roof. So they were trying to con this dying artist hmm. out of a painting, like pay for it on the on the cheap and then sell it for a profit so that they could pay her their new roof. Okay. Um, Because I was like, who was he? I was like, I was really hoping that he would have been a love interest for Betty White at one stage. But I no. feel he would have been too old. I know they were old, but yeah. he was older. He was old, thus he mo- he, he was dying. Um, oh, in, in Golden Girls, yes. 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 Um, Is that he it? He has 140 credits. Yeah. Solid piece of work. Um, He was in two shows that I've only watched because of you. <laughs> so I'll hand it back to you. Well, um, I'm imagining one of them's the British Empire. Yes. He plays St. Peter, because of course he does. Absolutely. I remember him in that. that I think that's series yeah. five. I think it's the finale of that one where <laughs> Brutus dies and goes to heaven, or so he thinks. Uh, yeah, that's a, he's very fun in that. Yeah. Uh, he's a comedic actor from the stuff that I've seen. Uh. If we go early in his career, he's far more of a dramatic. He was in War and Peace. He was in a production of Othello. This guy is obviously a classically trained actor. Mm-hmm. But I've seen him in comedic roles such as Married with Children. British. He was in the trilogy in Married with Children in which they went over to England and he was the mayor of London or the mayor of the town, I should say, they visited. And uh, those are the things. The other one I've got is uh, a very underrated, and I want to recommend it to people, a very underrated John Candy movie called Delirious. I won't give away the plot to that movie. It's one that people should uh, enjoy for themselves, but it is basically John Candy gets into some really fun hijinks. It's got uh, some amazing character actors in that movie too. It's a, it's a very underrated John Candy movie, but those are the things I primarily know him for. Uh, comedic roles that really blossomed in the late 80s mm. onwards to the yes. end of his career. When I looked at the earlier parts... He seemed to be far more of a straight-laced British acting person who did your usual fare of uh, adaptations to TV. Yes. Uh, rarely any, rarely any movies until later look like him. So More TV. He like I, I. So out of his 140 credits, he did 106 different. TV shows, mm-hmm. 12 films, 12 TV movies, and 10 miniseries. He's done a couple of things with Anthony Hopkins over mm. over his career he did, I should say. So he was born in 1927, and his first credit, according to IMDb, was in 1956. Okay, interesting. Interesting, yeah. And he passed away in 2001. He was married to, uh, I'm forgetting the actress's name off the top of my head, but you know her best, Rachel, as uh, which character is she? She's a nun in Called the Midwife. 
There you go. Rachel narrowed it down. Rachel's watched a lot of Call the Midwife, and Rachel knows her character as nun, which really narrows it down. But they're not all nuns. But there's lots of nuns. There's a fair... There's like five nuns in that show, right? Okay, so she's Miranda Hart. Okay, we nailed it. Miranda Hart isn't a nun. Oh, she's just she? a midwife. Oh, I thought she wore uh, a habit. Is there another show where Miranda Hart no, wears no, no. a no. habit? So they wear the the hats because they're midwives. I know. Not they don't they don't wear proper habits. They just have hats. Can we pitch the Soul Hunter call the midwife again, <laughs> like we did in our second episode? That was fun. But yeah, he was married uh, to that actress uh-huh. whose name I'm unfortunately forgetting, who's in a ton of stuff herself and still acting today. And she's a legend in her own right. And uh, yeah, you as you were saying, he's done. He did a lot of TV work, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it does seem like there came a point in the 80s where he said, I want to do some movies now. Yeah, it does feel like, like, (laughs) why? oh, I can do this too. What what turned him around then? Oh, have you seen any pictures of what he looked like young? He looks like how he does old, but with brown hair. He was always a bald on top type of dude. On and off with the mustache. Sometimes he had it, sometimes he didn't. This is one of those guys who really just never aged, huh? He just always kind of looked like that. I found out an interesting piece of trivia that also has a sad conclusion to it, which was he was a desired role for two different Doctor Who uh, episodes or stories. And in the end, he didn't get those roles. And in the end, he never got to be in Doctor Who at all. It's so bizarre to me that this man was, he was the desired option for a couple of roles in Doctor Who and just by happenstance never got them. And in the end, he never got to be in Doctor Who. Also, when I first saw a picture of his wife, Judy Parfit, who plays Sister Monica Joan Thank you. in Call the Midwife. We have a large Call the Midwife listener base and they were all shouting Rachel, you know this. We forgive you, Ryan, for not knowing that Miranda Hart wasn't a nun in the show because you haven't watched Call the Midwife, Ryan. We understand your plight, Ryan. I was hesitant is because I could remember that she was Sister Joan, but I remember that that wasn't her full name. You didn't want to upset the Catholics out there either. Yes. So I was like, I can't remember what the full name is. Uh, When I looked at her picture, I was like, she looks so similar to the first female companion in Doctor Who. Like in the very, very first Doctor Who? That's obviously not Susan, but the teacher. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah, okay, interesting. So any other information you've got on our acting? I have a game for you. Okay. I love games. Yes. Was he in Babylon 5? Yes, he was. Yes. Was he a doctor in it? Yes. Did Franklin know him? Of course. He was a boy. <laughs> was he wet? I didn't check. Sorry. Go on. Yeah. I'm being chill. Cautious ship didn't seem to leave him oozing. Yeah. Oh, man. If they just rub this guy in some Vaseline. I know, right? Would this be a 10 out of 10 episode? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, no. So... As I mentioned, he starred in a lot, a lot, a lot of TV, and the majority of his roles 
were one-offs. Mm-hmm. Only a few get above 10. Mm. Right? Now, in all fairness, there are some that are just TV miniseries that Hebrew's probably in all of them, but there's only six yes. of them. Yes. Yeah. So, we are going to go through the shows where he appeared the most. <gasps> okay. And you are going to try and guess how many episodes he was in each of these shows. All right. So, at number five, we have the animated show of Iron Man. Oh, he's Justin Hammer in that. I saw that. And that's the most he's in, right? He's in like 10 episodes or more, 11? He's in 11. <laughs> Lucky number 11. And so this that, that's number five. Okay. Number four is Coronation Street. Oh, that's a big show. Mm-hmm. So is this going in ascending or just random ascending. numbers? Oh, so he's in more. So he's in more episodes of Coronation 17. Street. 17. 13. Damn, that's the number of this episode, number 13 of season two. Next, The Days of Our Lives. Was he in The Days of Our Lives? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. 17. 15. Damn, if I say 17, we'll get there eventually. <laughs> Okay, number three. Uh, hey, what I think is a British soap opera. Yeah. Crossroads. 18. 46. Whoa, that's a large jump. <laughs> yes. That's a large jump. <laughs> Crikey. Yep. <laughs> okay, next show, 82. Okay, so it was newcomers. Next show, 82. 132. Fuck me. <laughs> and the, and was... the first, wait, that's number two, right? And no, then... that's number one. So what? number one. So oh, okay. number one is newcomers with 132. Wow, fuck then me. Then number two is crossroads with 46. Number three, 15 of Days of Our Lives. Oh. Four. 12 episodes of Coronation Street and 5, 11 episodes of Iron Man. But another fun fact. So Newcomers was a, like a soap in the 60s in England. Of course. And apparently only five episodes exist? of the 430 episodes exist. still exist. Yeah, that's the British for you. How many of the First Doctors one are we missing chunks of in general? They were bad with archiving. Yep. So is Australia, by the way. We were bad with archiving, too. And I imagine America, but less so, it seems. There's a lot of American TV we can but still I, watch I from that the that 50s was... and 60s and 70s. I hope that was fun for the listeners, oh, too. Oh, I had fun, at least. It made me happy. And, uh, yeah, unfortunately, he did pass away in the uh, early 2000s, 2001, I do believe. 2001, I believe. Struggled with uh, dementia and Alzheimer's, uh, Alzheimer's, and... Yeah, how I found out who his wife was when I was looking him up, there was articles, many articles from her in which she just doesn't, she can't talk about it. It was a very bad time. She literally said, and this is so weird because I found out she was in Call the Midwife because they used a picture of her in Call the Midwife of her crying Mm -hmm. in Call the Midwife Mm -hmm. for an article in which she was talking about a very depressing thing in her real life, which I think is very tasteless. And it was her saying- Do you understand the connection? What do you mean? Between like, her character and called the midwife. And her as a person? 
and her husband's experience. Oh, no, I guess it's that her character goes through that in the show. See, yeah. I don't know that. But, but what I'm saying is she basically said along the lines of, I can't think about it because if I do, I'll just top myself. That's what she said. It was that <laughs> traumatic. But she also said it in the most British way possible. <laughs> yes. While I was asleep, the, uh, the ship, it, it sang to me. Hunter Prey. What would you rate it? Yum being bad. Yum yum being good. Yum. Yeah. Yeah. It's a unanimous. It's yum. So that means it's yum yum because we both gave it a yum. 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 But Rachel, tell us all what we'll be talking about and what we'll be watching next time. On the next Babylon 5. There all the honor lies. Where? There? Aminbari warrior is dead. And Sheridan is accused of murder, all part of a vengeful plot to unseat him. But not all the stations going on are so serious. Oh, boy. Especially when a hot new souvenir hits the gift shop. Oh, boy. Oh, Oh boy. boy. Well, people, make sure to tune in uh, next episode to hear our thoughts on that one. Make sure to give that episode a revisit. Uh, You can keep up with us and interact with us on your social media platform of choice. We're on practically all of them. Uh, Aren't we, Rachel? People can Uh find us under Yum Yum Podcast. Yes. And uh, we're always posting on there, always engaging with people, getting into further conversations about what we've discussed here today on the pod but ryan mm-hmm. some people so, some people may may have been around for a little while yes and and, and we thank them thank we, we also thank you for thank the positive reviews that you've left us on the various podcast podcasts of your choice and you could and if you haven't there's still time just uh move your finger but, over and press on the thing and press the things and write the things and you know, take two seconds. Only yum yums, please. Only yum yums, which is of course positive. Yeah. Uh, they may be wondering. I'm wondering. Star Trek Discovery is on, and you're not talking about it. Well, it's finished. Picard yeah. Picard was on. Yeah, Picard's happening. Yeah. You're not talking about it. Well. So, what's what's the go, Ryan? What's the go? Discovery will happen when it happens, as. As uh, the great Linkara said, it will come out when it's ready. <laughs> Our discussions on but it. Do but do the people but have to Pic- wait for Picard? Well, uh, at the moment on Patreon, we have a few of... We're going through and watching Star Trek Picard as it comes out, and we are giving our thoughts on it. And we have many other pieces of content on our Patreon. We're talking about the X-Men movies. We've gone through all the best and worst rated episodes of Star Trek. uh, According to IMDb, we've gone through the top five. We're giving our thoughts on random pieces of media, and we are going to hopefully, if we have enough energy... Cover Strange New Worlds as well on the Patreon, as uh, give our thoughts on it as it comes out. So if people, if you're hungry to hear our takes, our spicy, hot, you delicious know it's gonna takes. You know going to be yummy, yum. Oh, of so, course. So just, just take the opportunity. 
we have a group Discord, don't we, Rachel, that yes. you can be a part of if you join the Patreon. Uh, you can engage with the other patrons there, the uh, exclusive yumlings mm-hmm. of uh, that variety. So if you have... Uh, been... y- yeoman, ensigns, and captains. Yeah, we have our different tiers with different rewards and different perks and all that amazing stuff. So uh, head on over there. All of this is in the description. We make it easy for you. I had to take a little bit of a breath there because I realized... We're brave because we are the only Australian Babylon 5 rewatch <laughs> podcast who also says yum yum to to do this. We sit down and that's brave. I'm sure that 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 Sheridan would have put a little red ribbon on a thing for me to come follow him and he could talk to me in a smoky room and he leans over and whispers in my ear. Did you notice Jakar wasn't in this episode? I did. I did notice he wasn't in this episode. And it was very sad. I was crying on the inside that he wasn't here. Because if he was here, he your would have said ship, it. Your ship needs to sing you to sleep. Oh, okay, okay. If Kosh's ship could speak, mm. whose voice would you want to hear come out of it? Pick an actor that's not in Babylon 5 already. Who would speak as Kosh's ship's voice? I've got my pick. It's it's uh, very easy. Mine's a very easy pick. Go for it. Uh, uh, okay. I would really, really love to hear Paul Giamatti's voice come out of that ship. I want Brian Blessed. Oh, uh, well, you win. I mean, once you pick the Blessed card, uh, is there any topping it? Is there any topping it? God is alive! <laughs> oh, but Ryan, you need to say good eating to you. Good eating to you! I can't do the full blessed or I'll blow good the mic. Good eating to you! If I did, I'll blow I'm the not. mic up. But, uh, oh man. Reboot. Get bl- blessed on the phone. Get him to be Jakar. Could you imagine? Can you imagine him as Jakar and he says that in the opening credits? In the opening credits, he says, Good eating to you! 